Church, good to see you guys this morning. I am Ben the Younger, and uh, yeah, so I, uh, I would say I, I, I am very honored and privileged to be able to bring God's Word to you this morning, although I don't know if I ever actually said yes to that. Uh, so how that worked was uh, Ben, ben Orchard's going to be, at, he was out of town this week for uh, a class reunion. And then Chris wanted to go up to family camp, and Caleb was also thinking about going up to family camp. So they looked around and said, Ben, how about you? And I said, let me think about it. Let me just think about it. And then uh, the next day I was in my office, and Ben walked into my office and caught me with a commentary. And he said, hey, you can't do that until you put the hard work in. So from there, I am here. So that's how that works. So uh, part of also the men's initiative, you know, if you've heard about that, feel free to uh, step up men because um, you might get this wonderful opportunity. It is a privilege to share. So <clears throat> for those that don't know me, uh, I'm the director of corporate worship here at Valley Bible Church. I, uh, I usually see me up here on stage helping to lead the singing portion of our worship service. Um, and so... Uh, but a little bit for everybody just to get to know me a little bit more. I'm a huge, huge Seahawks fan. I, <laughs> that's the Denver Broncos. They're not going to do anything this year, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm a huge Seahawks fan, and I have enjoyed, I enjoy sports. Uh, in fact, they beat the Dallas Cowboys last night, which was wonderful. Anytime you beat the Dallas Cowboys, it's a good thing. And so that's what I appreciate. But it is preseason, so it doesn't really count for anything. Uh, before the job I got here with the church, I also worked for the Spokane Chiefs Hockey Club. And it was interesting as I observed fans, it was fascinating to watch as a goal was scored and people all stood up and they began to clap and chant Chiefs in the middle of the song. It was just, it was crazy to watch. So, but maybe you're not a sports person, right? So maybe you're not a sports person and that's okay. Uh, maybe you like uh, movies or the theater as far as uh, uh, Broadway shows that come to Spokane. But it's interesting, even there, I've been to a couple of those shows, and it's fascinating because you watch people, and they still stand up at intermission and clap, or at the very end when the audience comes out, they all they stand and clap. I was like, that's kind of, why are we doing that? Why as creatures, as human beings, do we do that? So maybe sports or theater is not your thing. Maybe music is your thing. Well, maybe you've been to a concert before, rock concert, and, and you're moving a little bit. You're kind of dancing a little bit, you know, and by the way, we'll get to this later in the message, it's okay to move in church as well. Maybe not to that extreme, but it's okay to move. Um, but but why is it that we move to music? Why is it that after the, the, the concert, people will stand up and clap, or they want an encore, they cheer for an encore? It's very interesting. And so what's fascinating is we are, we are creating God's image, and because of that, we are designed to worship. We're designed to praise. And there is a difference between praise and thanksgiving. There's a quote from Keith and Kristen Getty in their book, Sing, and it states... Praise is compelled by the revelation of something glorious, right? So that's why we pray. Something has been revealed. So the difference there, as opposed to thank you, so a Thanksgiving psalm in the Psalter is different than a praise song uh, psalm in the Psalter, is thank you still keeps, as I was studying this, Alan Ross brought this up in his commentary, but thank you keeps you as the, the subject matter, right? So if my brother gives a gift to me, I'm still saying thank you that you've made my life better. And it's, there's a slight difference there as opposed to praise. Praise is because of what that person has done, who they are, right? So the reason why people are like praising that um, a Mariners game is because Rodriguez hit a home run. 
right? So they're, they're praising him for what he's done, what he's accomplished. That's why, like, yeah, that's awesome, right? So that's why we're praising people at concerts or, or the theater. It's, it's because of what they've done. So that is the difference. So as we come to Psalm 150, I would like to invite you to take your copy of God's Word. And as a, uh, as, as a tradition here, and also as a sign of respect, and as a, a sign of praise, would you please stand as you are able, and we'll turn to Psalm 150. And we will begin there. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, that is our goal this morning, is to praise you through your word. But Lord, praise is because of who you are and what you've done. And may we see that as we study your word this morning. And Lord, we also want to take a moment right now to just pray for those who are affected by the wildfires in this area. Lord, um, it's a humbling reminder that, especially as believers, Lord, our, our, our treasures are stored up in heaven. They're not here on earth, Lord. But also, Lord, there are families that have lost everything, and they are hurting right now. Lord, may we as the local church in Spokane be able to step up and help in a practical way uh, these families, but also be able to share them that there is there is still a loving, uh, faithful God who wants a personal relationship with them, Lord, to give them that hope during this time, Lord. And we also just pray that we also know, as we said in the last couple of weeks, you are sovereign over the wind and the waves. And so, Lord, we would ask that you would calm these winds and that the fires would be subsided. Please keep the firefighters that are those fighting, please keep them safe, Lord. As we turn to your word now, may we learn to praise you more and more for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. So as we look here, praise is mentioned 13 times in this psalm, so obviously it's very important. Um, And just like last week, Caleb mentioned that sing in the psalm was an imperative, it was a command. So too is the Psalm 150. Praise is an imperative. It's a command. There is no option A or B. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It is, you must do this. Praise the Lord. And we'll see as we go on that not only is it commanded, but we will be compelled to do that as well. And so the first thing we see here in Psalm 150, verse 1, is to praise God everywhere. Uh, And real quick, when I was working with uh, Ben on uh, on this sermon... I had a couple of different outline ideas, and one of them was, uh, where is God to be praised? Why is God to be praised? How is he to be praised? And then just praise the Lord. Those were my four topics, and he said, well, look at that psalm again and realize that those are imperatives. So that's why I have switched to praise God everywhere. There is no choice. It's not where is God to be praised. He is to be praised everywhere. And so for the Israelites, when they look at this psalm, um, and just brief history, We actually don't know who wrote this psalm. 
Um, but it was, it's clearly meant for the, the closing of the Psalter. The idea is that this is the climax, the pinnacle of everything that the, the people of the nation of Israel has sung about, and now they will say, praise the Lord. And so it was written most likely either for the second time, they, or the first time they came back, or the second time when they came back to rebuild the temple. But either way, when this was written, the temple was still standing. Um, and so the Israelites would come back, so they are to praise God in his sanctuary. And for them, the temple is the centerpiece of all culture for them, right? That is where sacrifices took place. That is where dedications took place. Jesus was dedicated there um, in, in the New Testament. When we read about that story, he was dedicated there. It's also where the festivals took place. This was a, the whole center of everything for the, the Jewish nation was in the sanctuary. And one thing that's fascinating about the psalm is the, the psalmist, when he writes in the first two verses, he writes first about something that's very tangible, right? So he writes about the, the sanctuary, the temple of the Lord. We can picture that. We know where that was. We, 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 we know exactly where it is. Um, it's no longer there right now. Obviously, the Dome of the Rock is sitting there right now. Um, but we know where the location is. But then he proceeds to say, praise him, praise the Lord in his mighty expanse. So we've gone from something that's like, we can understand and see and grasp and understand that concept to something that's praise God in the expanse, praise him in the heavens. And that is a little bit more harder to tangibilize, um, if that's even a word. <laughs> but it's very hard to understand that because praise him in his mighty expanse. Where is that? Well, for them, it's the firmament. It's the skies. And so, and we get to taste of that, we get to see part of that in Isaiah, when Isaiah was taken up to heaven to see the throne room there. We got to see that God was being praised by the angels. We also get to see that in Revelation uh, with John. He also gets to see where God is at in the heavens. And even the heavens, the angels, the spiritual realm praises God. So not only does it take place here on earth, but the psalmist is now combining the two together and saying God is praised on the earth and he's also praised in the heavens and all of creation, both the seen and the unseen, God is to be praised. So a couple of quick lessons for us, just here right off the bat. Praise God in his temple, right? So our lesson is to praise God in his temple. And you would say, Ben, that doesn't exist. Where is the temple? Well, Jesus gets to change that and flip it on, flip it on its head in John. We studied John a couple of years back here at the church. And in this particular example, uh, Jesus is walking with his disciples through Samaria to get to another town across the way, and the disciples have gone. But Jesus is having a discussion with this woman at the well. And she says, okay, well, Rabbi, you, you guys say that to rest, worship God, we have to go to Jerusalem, to the temple. That's where you say that's the only place we can worship God. And then, but she's like, well, we as Samaritans believe that this is the mountain where we should worship God, where Jacob and Isaac was. This is the mountain where we are to worship God. And it's interesting what Jesus says there, because he's like, well, actually, you're both a little wrong and both a little nearsighted. You need to look a little further out. Because Jesus says in John, but an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people... The Father seeks to be his worshipers. Right? And, and, and we see in Paul, in 1 Corinthians, that we are the temple. So we are the new temple now. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. 
That is why we are to praise God in this temple. That's why Paul has such a big deal about taking care of our bodies. But it's also not just taking care of the bodies that God indwells within us, but it's our minds, it's our actions, and our thoughts and our deeds, everything, our whole body is to be used to praise God. And not only to praise God, but then because we are a temple that can leave and go anywhere, we are to praise God everywhere. And that's our second lesson. God is to be praised everywhere. So you take yourself, and that's and we'll, and we'll see in a couple of verses that, that that is the whole purpose of what God, that's why he indwells with you, is to not just show you what he's done in your life, but to also show the world that you are a Christ follower and that you belong to him and that they can easily see that by how you act, what you put into your body, how you take care of it, what you think, all of those things go into praising God everywhere with your body and the temple. So then in verse 2, we see the tangible of praising God because of his mighty acts. So praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Deuteronomy 3.24 states, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? So here, praise him for his mighty deeds, right? Praise God for his mighty deeds. These are tangible things that Israel can praise God for. I think specifically of Psalm 136, the history of Israel. They are very specific about that, right? So they, they praise God. They say, thanks God to his loving kindness because they made Abraham a nation. Then they took Abraham and God provided Abraham out of the famine in the land to go into Egypt and God protected him there. And then God came into their, in Egypt and destroyed all the Egyptian gods and brought the nation out of Egypt. Then he brought them through the desert, protecting them. Then he brought them up to the point of the new, uh, the, the promised land. And from there, the God, our God said, I'm going to take out kings in your way. And they proceed. So Psalm 136, if you go through that, that's the history of Israel up until this point. But the whole, the whole reason for that is to praise him for what he has done, right? It's nothing that Israel did, nothing that they did. It's what God did for Israel. That's why we are praising him for his mighty deeds. And so not only to understand your history and what God has done, but then again, like I said, and Caleb mentioned last week, part of the reason why God has displayed himself and given to show himself through his deeds is to praise the nations, Psalm 145, 12 through 13. It is to make known the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. God has said to praise him for his mighty deeds so that the nations around Israel would also understand that. And that's for us too. So a lesson for us during this time is to praise God for what he has done in your life and be specific when we do this, right? And I love what Ben does usually around Thanksgiving as he encourages everybody to go home and just write out what has God done in your life, but take it a step further in the fact that praise him for 
not only what he's done in your life, but in other lives too. But the idea is the praise is not to just say thank you. The praise is because of who he is and what he's done. So for an example, something that happened in Kelly's in my life is we were able to adopt a beautiful young girl named Melody. This had nothing to do with us, right? This is all praising God for what he's done and who he is, right? He's the one that brought Melody to us. He's the one that's given Melody to us. It had nothing to do with us. That is worthy of praise. And so I want you guys this week to please take a moment, encourage. This is part of preparing our hearts and our minds to praise the Lord is think about what he's done. Think about what he's done in your life and turn around to praise him for it. Then we see, praise him according to his excellent greatness. And I love this part in the excellent, his excellent greatness because if you look at Psalm 145.3 once again, it says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Right? That's, I, I love that. So, again, going back to praise the Lord, praise him in his sanctuary. That's tangible. We understand what that is. Praise him in the expanse. That's everywhere. That's the heavenly realm. We can't even see that. Sometimes we can't even fathom that, right? And then we praise him for his mighty deeds, very specific, very, like, this is what God has done to praise him for his, his mighty, his excellent greatness, which is unsearchable. So I want to take a moment this morning to think about that. How great is our God and his greatness is unsearchable. So I want to start with the fact that our God spoke this world into existence. From the beginning of time, he spoke it. Think about that. Our God spoke this world into existence. Then he proceeded to intimately make man and woman, specifically those two genders, (laughs) Not what the world says. Those two genders and that's it. But, and then, but he also makes each and every one of us in our mother's womb, right? Our God is a God of detail, intimately knows us. Unfortunately, man fell away. Adam and Eve sinned and brought a separation between us and God. But that wasn't it. So God, in his greatness that's unsearchable, came to heaven, or came to earth, took on flesh, So think about that. The God who just spoke this world into existence, that very same God decided to send his son and take on flesh, fully God and fully man. Think about that. And then he lived a perfect life, absolutely perfect. You look back in Deuteronomy and all those laws that are are in there right now, think about this. I believe there's one that talks about weaving two, uh, two cloths together. Um, and that it should not be done. Jesus lived that, per- he never did, right? So things that like, even those little minutia details of that, our God never sinned. He lived a perfect life. What the law was designed to do and what God, that was him. I can't even go one day, let alone maybe even a half a day without sinning. And our God, he lived it perfectly. And then we, as, a, as his created order, decided to crucify him even though he had, lived, he had done nothing wrong. But think about this. We had just studied John a couple of years ago. The fact that our God had to keep things moving, right? I mean, they were so disorganized about the trial that Jesus had to kind of keep things moving along. That is crazy. That's our God, though. Keep him moving things along. Then he was crucified. He was buried. He died, literally died. And then he rose again on the third day, conquering sin and death, right? So those things are 
Those are kind of tangibles, but those are still unsearchable greatness that we don't fully comprehend all the time or understand. Or how about this? When Job said, when, when, when Job finally got to speak with God directly, and, and God said, hold on, Job, were you there at the foundations of the earth when I created the Leviathan? Right? We just sang a song, Behold our God, who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? God, that's the unsearchableness that we can't comprehend. Or what about Abraham, when he pulled Abraham and said, Abraham, look at the stars and count them. By the way, I know that number. I know all their names, and you can't do that. That's our God. That's how unsearchable he is. Or think about the sunset, right? Science can try to explain that away as far as um, it's the sun bouncing off the molecules in the atmosphere and all those things, right? Sure, that, that explains it, but why? Why? Because our God. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to create a beautiful sunset because I am. That's just who I am. Or if you ever go hiking and look out in the wilderness, or I know, for example, the, uh, the Martins just got back from a trip to Yellowstone, and they got to go see all the sites of Yellowstone. They got to see Old Faithful, which goes off every hour to hour and ten minutes. Old Faithful, it's faithfully doing that. And everyone tells, oh, it's the pressure buildup. It's, oh, there's too much pressure to contain and it has to shoot up. That, that's why it does it. No, that's not why it does it. It does it because God said to do it. Because God said, I want to do something amazing. Check this out. And you're not going to understand and you're not going to get it. And that's okay. That's our God. How cool is that? One other example, I was talking to my dad a couple of nights ago and he was sharing about beekeeping. He's retired. And uh, he's really into beekeeping. And so um, hopefully I get the story right. You can talk to him or talk to Richard Knowlton. Uh, he's also into beekeeping. But um, he, he got to gather honey for the first time. The harvest of honey uh, was there. And he got to um, pull it out. And honeybees are just kind of, they're just amazing when he was sharing this with me. But they, 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 they cap the honey. And once the honey is capped, a white film is over it. Then you can pull it out and, and scrape it off. And there's your honey. And as we know, honey's made with the, the water and the nectar put together. But what's interesting is what they found across the board, what they found is no matter what region you're in or where you're at in the world, the amount of moisture that's in the honey is between 10 and 12% exactly. Not less than 10 and not greater than 12. It's between 10 and 12% across the board, right? And so why is that? Well, the bees don't know that. The bees aren't smart enough to know that. They're just flapping their wings. They're not sitting there flapping their wings going, yeah, I think we got about 15% moisture. We got to flap a little harder, guys. Come on, come on. Uh, nope, we're still at 13.5%, uh, right? They don't know that. What they, all we know is that God created the bees to flap their wings to get exactly 10 to 12% moisture in the honey. That's the unsearchable greatness of our God, right? That's mind-blowingly awesome, right? So where do we go from that, right? So we go from, where do we go from praising God in his temple to praise him in the expanse? Where do we go when we find out all that God has done for us and we write down specifically all that he's done for us to all the things that we can't explain? Where do we go? How do we keep this contained? Well, we can't keep it contained. We cannot keep it contained. We go to praising God with everything, Praising God with everything that we have. Verses 3 through 5. Praise Him with a trumpet sound. Praise Him with a harp and a lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. 
Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. First we see praise him with a trumpet. What was the trumpet used for the Israelites? There was two purposes for the trumpet. One trumpet, one was to call them to war, call them to action. The trumpet blasted, we need to go to war, let's get up, grab the weapons, let's head out. The other reason that they blew the trumpet was a call to praise, a call for the time of worship, a call to praise during the festivals. Festivals, excuse me. And so, for example, during the Feast of Booths, the trumpet would be played right before that, and the people would know, oh, it's time to celebrate, right? When they brought the harvest in, they blew the horn. Yep, time to celebrate what God has done. So it was a call to worship for them. We also see that we are to praise him with a harp and a lyre. For all the kids in the room, a lyre is not what you do when you tell your mom you cleaned the room, but you didn't. That is, that is actually lying, and that is a sin, and that's wrong. <laughs> No, a lyre is a portable harp, right? So think about in, in, in the spa, you've got the nice music, or you might see a big giant harp, and it sounds all lovely. Well, a lyre is just a, a portable harp. David probably had one of those when he went out to, to the sheeps in the field. Um, it was a, a U-shape, just a U-shaped with strings on it, and that was a, a lyre. But the point is, there's seven other instruments, seven total instruments listed here. But the point is, the Levites are grabbing everything in the temple, everything they could possibly find to grab and to praise God with, right? But I want to make a note here that it's still done in order. It's not like they grabbed the harp and the lyre and they did something different together. It was the fact that they, they are using the instruments together for what they, they learned about Christ and what they learned about their God. And they said, this is how we're going to praise him with everything in an orderly manner, but with everything that we possibly have. And that's why part of the reasons why we use instruments today is it's in Scripture. Praise Him with everything around you. Praise Him with symbols. Praise Him with music. That's okay. John, John Calvin gets a bad rap for this because uh, as one of the Reformation fathers, he, he didn't have any sort of music in his churches. No music whatsoever. And everyone's like, well, that's not Scripture. You're wrong, John. <laughs> um, and I would disagree with him too. Uh, because I love instruments. But the point was, if you research further why he did that, he did it because he wanted the congregation to focus on the words, the words of truth. That's what dictates the emotion, right? It's not because how we feel, it's what God says about him and who he is. That's what dictates our emotions. And so, yes, um, as the director of corporate worship, and we, we use music, but I take that role very seriously here at the Bible Church because I am literally putting words in your guys' mouth. Literally putting words in your mouth. So I better make sure that those words are accurate, they're truthful, and they're based on Scripture, right? That is why we do that. And then, I, then we take the music after we pick the songs and, and find the, true, the truth in the words, then we take the music and add that. Right? And it's okay to praise him with timbrel and to dance. The music helps with that, right? It, it leads up to this, right? So we just sang, Behold our God. Who's held the oceans? It's kind of subdued. We're thinking, we're contemplating. But then we realize, who has done that? Who has done that, right? Our God who sits on his throne, that's who's done that. So then we can then say, oh, let's build with music and say, yes, behold our God. And if the emotional response, based off of truth, is to raise your hands or kneel, that's okay. There's lots of posture of, of worshiping God in the Psalms. This is just but a glimpse of that. And part of that is to dance. Dancing's okay. 
again, done in order and not too crazy, right? So an example of that is actually David. David, when the, the ark is coming back into Jerusalem, David is dancing and what looks to be like a fool of himself. And Michael, his, his wife, is like, hey, that's not okay. Knock that off. You're embarrassing me. And you're inappropriate in front of other people. And this is not okay. And David said, no, no, no. I will become more undignified than that. Why? It wasn't to show off his dance moves. I don't see David having good dance moves. I know I don't. So, um, But it's not. it wasn't to show off his dance moves, right? It wasn't to show off his dance moves. It was for the fact that God, the covenantal, faithful, relational God, is coming back to dwell with his people in Jerusalem. I mean, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, that, I mean, David couldn't help himself. It was based off of truth, and God was coming back to be with his people in their presence. So, of course, he had to dance. Right? I love, I see the Dornicks over here. I love it. Their little girls, they dance when the music's playing, right? It's this innocent, like, the music moves, it's the words, but then they sit there and dance. I love that. And again, it's not a distraction. It's not like they're up and down the aisles. It's, they can't help it. The truths that are being sung, the music working together, they need to move. It was wonderful. I was standing back there watching some of you guys swaying back and forth. That's okay. That really is okay. The music, the words, truth, start with truth, and then the music helps with that. Another example of that is now that I'm um, a dad myself, it's wonderful to see. Melody gets really excited. We have a particular song that we dance to. Um, it's called Change by Jordan Felice. You can look it up. It's a pretty fun song. But she'll just be playing around, and I'll just, all I have to do is start hitting, hit play, and the music will go. And she will turn around with a big smile on her face, and like, where are you, Dad? Like, where are you? Like, I want to dance with you. And she'll start bouncing up and down, right? It's, it's, it's okay to have an emotional, uh, it's okay that truth is dictating an emotional response. But again, the truth is the point of it. Also, it's okay that you don't dance. I want to make sure the, it's the heart issue, right? It's, it's when you sit here and you sing the words on the screen, just mean them. Think about your heart. It's okay. You're, God has made everybody a different personality. Just because I might clap my hands, because that's an expression of praise for me, doesn't mean you have to, right? So it, it's both sides, but it's still a heart issue that we need to make sure that we have come to prepare our hearts and our minds to praise God with everything we have. And that is our last point, too, is verse 6, is to praise God with everything. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And like I said, there's different postures of worship, right? We see that in the Psalms. There is dancing, which we mentioned, but there's also clapping, there's shouting, there's kneeling, there's singing. What this does say is we are commanded to praise. And so let's come with prepared hearts and minds each and every, not only every day, but especially on Sunday mornings, when we are coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage one another. We need to come with prepared hearts and minds to praise the Lord. And that starts with understanding who he is and what he's done in our life. <clears throat> and then on top of praising with the Lord, what's fascinating with all of this is the fact that um, when you praise the Lord, when you praise the Lord, it doesn't have to just be singing up here, right? So if you, as guys or, or gals, if you're singing and you're off key, that's okay. We won't put you up here, right? We still want to do our best for the Lord, but this is not a show up here. 
This never has been and never was a show up here. This is using our, ta- our, our gifts and our talents to praise the Lord and helping lead others. But God has gifted each and every one of you with a talent or a gift to praise him. Right, So as we head into this fall season, I want to encourage each and every one of you, Right, we have people that are serving in children's check-in, that are, have the attention to detail, or they like to greet new people and understand that. They're praising God with their talents. We have hospitality, who's preparing coffee. A lot of them are gone this weekend. They're at a family camp, so we can always use more. But if you like to make coffee or like the smell of coffee and you want to be around it, you can use that talent or gift to praise the Lord and encourage the body. Right? We have ushers, greeters, the sound. Micah back there has an ear for sound. That's something that God has gifted him with. So then he is paying attention and doing all of those things. He may not be singing, but he is praising God with that talent because his heart, he is, re- he is ready to praise the Lord. And so with all those things, the safety team, everything, if you guys are not involved in something, the Lord has given you a talent. Go try something and use that to praise him because he's the one that's given to you and prepare your heart as well for that. Just another word on preparing your heart uh, during the staff meeting. It was interesting, um, especially for Sunday mornings. Um, Amanda Jarvis, uh, when she was a lot younger, so not currently, when she was younger with her family, Glenn and Julie Baker, they would put on music on their way to church. And Amanda said, you know what? My heart and my attitude was wrong a lot. Not a lot on Sunday mornings, maybe a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, as a kid growing up, she was like, you know what? I was always frustrated or mad when we had to go at times. But it was amazing that when they put worship music on and they begin to think and sing along the words of who God is and what he's done, the heart changed. And so I encourage you, as you guys come to Sunday morning worship, prepare your heart. This is not a hey, we're going to come watch a show. We're not trying to do a show. You guys should not be expected to sit there and just enjoy this. This is engaging our minds and our bodies all together. And so prepare. Take a moment on Saturday night to pray. Pray and say, Lord, I want to be ready to read from your word. I want to be ready to serve your people. I want to be ready to encourage other brothers and sisters. I want to be ready. Maybe that's Sunday morning in the car. I understand that life happens, fights happen, but it's amazing if you just turn on some worship music, or if you pray right beforehand, just say, Lord, help me to see who you are and what you've done. Help me to remember your deeds, and I will praise your name. I love this quote by Bob Coughlin. Here, as we, we're going to close here in just a moment, but Bob Coughlin says, Worship isn't primarily about music, techniques, songs, or methodologies. It's about our hearts. It's about what and who we love more than anything. So even going back to the beginning, right, of I'm a Seahawks fan. I love, I love to express that. That's okay. That's not wrong. Or if you like the concerts or movies, those aren't wrong. But what should be more of our priority? What should be more of our passion? It should be God and who he is. Sunday morning with the people of God. That's where our passion should be. That's where we want to be to encourage others, and specifically the men. Encourage you to sing out. I, again, I don't, care if you don't, I don't care if you don't carry a tune. The people around you need to see that you have this as a priority. And for the most part, men, you do a great job in our church, so thank you. But just as an encouragement, sing out. It's okay. Sing out with because of what God... This isn't about you. It's about what God has done. So sing out. And the, the family will follow. The family wants to see that. Your kids need to see that. We're going to close in just a moment with a song 
praise to the Lord the Almighty. The author of that psalm, he was about 20 years old um, when he came to know the Lord. And it was interesting, he was in a small town in, uh, in Europe, and, and he, uh, a new pastor had just come in. A new pastor had just gotten onto the pulpit, and he got his buddies all around him and said, hey, let's go down there and let's, let's, let's heckle him, let's give him a hard time, you know, let's, let's just demoralize him. We don't want him here anyway, right? So that's where, that was the mentality they went to church. Well, guess what happened when he got to church? He came in contact with the faithful, covenantal, relational God of the universe. And he said, woe is me. And he repented. And then he wrote this song, praise to the Lord, the almighty, Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Let's pray. And I'll invite the worship team to come up as we sing. Dear heavenly father, Lord, we do just thank you for who you are. Lord, you are a covenantal, faithful, relational God. Lord, and you, it's because of you that we are even here today. The fact that you have given us breath, Lord. The fact that you sustain this world together. The fact that you hold it all in the palm of your hands. Lord, you are great and worthy of praise. It's more than just saying thank you. Thank you doesn't cover it because that keeps us as the center of focus, Lord. Praise is because of who you are and what you've done, Lord. May, may today, may this week, may our lives, may we remind ourselves and encourage ourselves, Lord, of who you are and what you've done. Be specific with the deeds you, you have accomplished, Lord. And may we then turn back and praise you with our, our lives. That includes our, our singing, our serving, our whole being, Lord, to turn that back into praise to you. So we do this morning turn back and give it all back to you in praise with this song. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as you're able and we'll close in song.